Welcome, everyone, to the latest episode of the most popular Nintendo and possibly video game podcast there is, the Game and Talk podcast, where we talk about, well, all things Nintendo. I am your host, by default, I guess, RGT85. We have Josie Woe on, as always. Josie, how we doing? I'm good. Excited to talk sales numbers and everything else. Yeah, that was very sarcastic, I'm sure. And Nathan, hey, <laughs> how are we doing, Nate? I'm doing doing well. I am looking forward to talking sales numbers and analyzing what these mean for Nintendo's future. Well, that's good. Um, anyone played anything recently since the last time we talked that's worth mentioning on the Switch or I guess anything else in general? I uh, I played oh. Gigabash, and what it's kind it's kind of fun. It's like a um a kaiju based fighting game. I just downloaded it today. Um, but you could download the, the Godzilla DLC, which should have been included because the game just came out today, and like it's twenty five dollars and then ten dollars for the Godzilla DLC, and it's like look jerk off. The only reason I'm gonna play this game is for Godzilla and Mecha Godzilla and stuff like that. But it's fun. I, I it's kind of different than like all the other like Godzilla destroy our monsters and stuff like that. It plays more almost like a Power Stone because of like the perspective and stuff like that. But it, it's it's pretty fun. I, I I've been enjoying it. Um, I don't know how much legs it'll have, but it has like online play and stuff. I played some online today, just beating up on some people. It's pretty good stuff. Josie? I played. I played uh, a little bit of Ratchet and Clank. Uh, it's not really Nintendo, but that's been pretty fun. I've never played a Ratchet and Clank game before, so it's cool. I like 3D platformers. It's been pretty interesting. Um, You're playing on and, uh, Rift Apart, right? Yeah, on the PS5. Nice, nice. It looked, It's such a good-looking game. It was really cool. Uh, and then I've played a little bit of Pikmin, like the post-game, and I won't like, go into that too much, but it's been pretty cool as well. Nate playing anything or I'm still gradually working my way through Tears of the Kingdom. Oh. How's that going? What are your thoughts? Uh, I mean, so far it's a good game. I'm enjoying I'm enjoying the adventure elements of it and the parts that are very reminiscent to Breath of the Wild. I'm not big on the controls where it comes to the crafting stuff, and honestly, the crafting element to me is just purely secondary it's not something i see myself pursuing beyond the mandatory segments but in terms of you know narrative the game doesn't have the strongest narrative so far it's more so i just enjoy exploring the world once again and seeing some of the new things but i'm still only about 10 hours deep so hopefully it expands a bit more as i get deeper into it have you done any like um of the uh quote-unquote dungeons in the game yet or no no, not really. Like I went into one of the underground areas. That doesn't count. And that was that's really I've gone to like those underground things and yeah, explored you... them a bit. Got my ass kicked by like some what's that big ass goblin looking thing? That like the Beanock or something. Oh, uh, the Hinox? Yeah, like it with an eye. Yeah, that thing. Yeah. Yeah, it kicked my ass quick. I was like, I'm just not going to go back there right now. Well, the the underground stuff is a bit more challenging than the above ground stuff. You kind of got to level yourself, get, you know, good weapons and 
try to get some hearts and stuff like that. Like, it's, mm. it, I, I honestly haven't gone back to it since I've beaten it just because I haven't really felt a desire to. Like, I, I know there's still side quest and I think there's like two tiers I had left to find, but I don't know. Like, I, I, I felt I played the game a lot. I put a lot of time into it. I felt justified with my playtime and I was just ready to move on to something else. Yeah, that's kind of... I feel like I'm going to approach the game where I'm just going to follow the main line and not do too much of the side stuff just so I can see what the story is, go through the key points, and get to that ending. And then maybe from there, I'll do a lot of the secondary missions and quest types. But, you know, I'm still very early on in the game. So if it really grabs me, I'll invest myself more into it. But considering the lineup of games coming out in the next few weeks... I don't know if I'm going to really have that time to explore the game as fully as everyone else did back when it came out in May. Well, that story has made grown men cry. Um, so I guess that could sort of segue into um, one of our topics here because we got some financials coming out for Nintendo to see how games and how systems and all that sort of stuff are selling and everything looks pretty good. Um, Tears of the Kingdom, the game we were just talking about, 18.5 million sold already. Pretty impressive numbers. We already knew it was doing very well after the announcement, after a few days that had already sold like a billion copies. So not a huge surprise to anyone. I don't think that the game is selling very well. It is currently outpacing Breath of the Wild, but I think one of the questions that some people have is, what's the legs on this? You know, does this easily surpass breath of the wild how long does it take this that and the other so anyone want to chime in on that yeah i think breath of the wild is probably going to be more remembered because it's what started this formula uh and tears of the kingdom is i feel like it's sort of for a specific person it's for someone who really enjoys breath of the wild not someone who like particularly loves that Zelda style just because of how abstract it can get with building and all that types of types of things but I think like if people will go back and they play Breath of the Wild and they enjoy Breath of the Wild I think that they will immediately dive into Tears of the Kingdom but I don't think that Tears of the Kingdom is that first game that you're going to grab off the shelf Nate what do you think what do you say the what do you say the legs on this bad boy because we have seen some Nintendo games, you know, get out to a, a very fast start and then, you know, the legs might not be as long as some people anticipated with it. Yeah, right now it's hard to determine what type of legs this game is going to have. We're still just in those opening months. We have the holidays coming up where obviously Tears of the Kingdom is going to be one of the top selling games of holiday 2023. And then when you pair that with things like Mario Wonder, Nintendo has positioned themselves to have an exceptionally strong second half in terms of software sales. But in terms of legs, it may come down to when Nintendo introduces the Switch successor. Because let's just say for the sake of the conversation, the Switch successor does come out late next year. Let's say like October. Now, depending on the backwards compatibility situation regarding the hardware, that's going to impact the sales of the game in some way be it positive or negative. And right now we just don't have a clear picture of what that is going to be. And as you mentioned, it's outpacing Breath of the Wild as it should be. When Breath of the Wild came out, it was a launch game. It was still building a base 
in which to sell to. And when it launched, there were more copies of Breath of the Wild sold than there were Switch units sold. So this has always been one of those premier franchises for a specific brand of hardware. And when you have 130 million Switches out there, the Zelda base has already been secured. They're picking this game up day one. And that's why we saw 10 million sales in those opening days and why we've seen 18.5 million sales in just those opening, was it seven weeks? Yeah, roughly. So that Zelda base is there. And in Nintendo's financials, they did note that there is a fairly sizable percentage of individuals buying Tears of the Kingdom whom had never played Breath of the Wild before. And back pre-launch, I had discussed this topic with MVG a bit, and we were trying to weigh, would there be more newcomers coming to Tears of the Kingdom than there would be those who played Breath of the Wild, hated the new formula that it took to Zelda, and vowed not to play Tears of the Kingdom? Because there was definitely going to be a percentage of people who had played Breath of the Wild, just didn't like this take on the franchise, and said, Tears of the Kingdom appears to be more of the same. I'm not going to buy it. Now, depending on what that percentage was, even if we said it's 1%, so let's say it was a grand total of you know, 300,000 people, it's very likely that more than half a million people who have never played Breath of the Wild are now picking up Tears of the Kingdom. So in terms of legs, it's going to come down to a lot of factors. It's selling well out of the gate because the base is there. It's going to sell well through the holiday, but I would say if it hasn't passed Breath of the Wild come holiday conclusion, it may not have enough time before the successor launches to pass Breath of the Wild, while keeping in mind, Breath of the Wild is still selling. So that number continues to grow. Mm, good point. Good point. No, I mean, I'm kind of of the same mindset. Like, it's out of the gate fast. I think most people anticipated that. But it still does have a ways to go to catch Breath of the Wild. Is it outside of the realm of possibility? Not at all, but it also depends on a lot of things like timing of releases of new systems and things of that nature. It's like you said, you know, there's 130 million switch units out there, which was also confirmed in this report. So it makes sense. A lot of people bought a switch because of two games, really those games being breath of the wild and animal crossing. Now they were purchased during much very, very different circumstances, but still those were two driving factors. So you have to imagine a lot of people who wanted this game have picked up this game. Will it continue? I'm sure it will. But is it going to sell 5 million a month from every month from here to the, to the end of the year? Like, I'm not so sure about that. You know, I, I feel like there has right. to be some sort of plateau for it. And it, it very may well, it very well may outsell Breath of the Wild in, in a fraction of the time. It, it just depends on a lot of different things. I, I don't think it's a necessarily a home run right out of the gate that it's a guaranteed thing that this is going to be the case. Right. And that's the thing. I think a lot of people are looking out at the out-of-the-gate performance saying, well, look at what it's selling. Well, it should. The base is there. The Zelda base has already been engaged for the last seven years with the Switch. So they've been waiting for the sequel for many years now. And it really comes down to what percentage is buying Tears of the Kingdom with no preconceived notion of what the game's going to be like and didn't play Breath of the Wild, maybe never played a Zelda game. 
if that percentage, let's say, is 10%, then there is a realistic chance it does outsell Breath of the Wild potentially by this time next year. But it really comes down to those you know, holiday sales. If Nintendo's earnings report early next year, which would conclude this calendar year comes in, and let's say Tears of the Kingdom is at 25 million, and Breath of the Wild at this point is now at 32.5 million, just due to evergreen sales, I'd say Tears of the Kingdom doesn't have enough time to make up that difference because we're going to have successor hardware come out in 2024 and people may be ready to move on, but it's still an admirable amount of sales. It's not a, it's not like we're looking at the game saying, oh, that's a disappointment. It didn't outsell its predecessor. It would be the second best-selling Zelda game of all time. And that's nothing to scoff at. And maybe that's what people should really take away from it as Nintendo released two Zelda games this generation that could each eclipse 25 or even 30 million copies apiece. And that's something any company would love to acquire. And, you know, if anything, they might envy that type of performance because, you know, Microsoft and Sony want to have those 20 million sellers and they really only get that from maybe one, maybe two at best of their key first party franchises. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I'm kind of with you of the mindset. I think it'll it'll close the year out at around 25 million, but you know, it, it's all just it's all speculation. We've seen some games come hot out of the gate and then they sort of trickle off and you know, this game doesn't seem to be having that sort of effect now, but you know, a couple months now from now it could paint a different picture. Who knows? Who's who's to say really? But like I said, we did get some Switch sales numbers down a little bit year over year compared to last year in the United States, but up substantially in Japan, which that was very kind of surprising to me that, you know, because I think a lot of people expected Switch sales to just sort of skyrocket alongside of Tears of the Kingdom, but it kind of goes back to your point, at least in the United States, that you know, a lot of people who are buying Tears of the Kingdom probably already had a Nintendo Switch system. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I mean, they do make note that Zelda and the OLED systems were driving factors here. And in Japan, it seems as though they really resonated with that Zelda OLED that came out for, you know, collectors. And we have it in North America. They had it in Europe as well. But the fact that sales were down in the other regions outside of Japan is definitely a curious stat. And if Zelda wasn't a driving factor to really push hardware, you have to wonder really what this calendar year is going to do it then. And the obvious answer is Mario Wonder. You have the Mario movie. People love 2D Mario games. That game's going to be a huge success when it comes out in just a couple of months. But when you look at last year's in the first quarter, what did Nintendo have to drive hardware then? Because to my recollection, I can't think of any major release at this time of 2022. Was Splatoon out? Um, Splatoon 3? That yeah. was that when was, did that release? That was summer, wasn't it? I, was it September? No, no, no. I think it was, or, was, was it earlier. It was oh no, it was September. It was September. So, okay. Yeah. Well, never mind. That was my guess for why, but No, that's that's a good point though, because what was there? 
it, it's scary how all these years just kind of blend together. Yeah, when, I mean, when that's the thing. for sales to be down, and it's not as though we had a price drop last year that would have contributed to this in that quarter. If there wasn't a major software release, and now this year we had a major software release with Tears of the Kingdom, for sales to be down hardware-wise, it would suggest that there is just simply saturation in the Western market, which that's not a negative. And if people want to spin that as, what are you saying? You're saying Switch isn't selling. No, it's selling exceptionally well. It's just at that user base, install base, that there's not that many more interested individuals. And the fact that Nintendo had a, had their best first quarter of the generation and didn't revise their forecast to go up. And I believe they even put out a comment saying, yeah, we had a great first quarter, but we still expect sales to be exactly where we forecast them about 15 million. That means they're looking at these sales saying, yeah, it was strong. We did better than we thought, but we don't see this going on throughout the remaining three quarters for our fiscal year. It's going to come down in Japan for all that it grew. And we expect North America, Europe and stuff to come down versus last year as well. And you made numerous videos last year discussing how Japan sales were in the area of what, 10 to 15% down month over month in the majority of the calendar year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like you're saying, I think there's just sort of a market cap where the only people really buying new switches are collectors, like we said, just buying those new additions. And that is sort of driving more sales. But I think at a certain point, everybody who has a switch or who wants a switch probably already has it. And like the software sales were up substantially, right? They were really high. Yes. Yeah. So I think that uh, goes hand in hand with that install base being huge and being a positive thing, but they're just starting to be a ceiling. Well, I guess that also goes into kind of another topic. Um, unless there was something dire that we also wanted to talk about with the sales stuff. Was there anything um, that stood out to anyone? No, I mean, staying on the hardware sales, I think if I'm Nintendo and I'm looking at the declines in the Western markets, I'm looking at that and I'm going to say, we know we have Mario in the second half. We have to do a price drop on at least the LCD model. The OLED model was the majority of their hardware sales. I believe they said it was in the area of, what, 60 to 70% of their sales. Yeah. So price drop that LCD model, give it a 50 or 75, $75 price drop, and you'll kickstart sales a bit in these other regions because I'm sure price is a factor. It's been the same price since launch. And you know, you need to create a little bit of value. And if you can pair it with a bundle this holiday, be it with Mario Kart that they've done for the last six years, or even Mario Odyssey, any of those evergreen software games that they've been sitting on, Pair it with that with a price drop, and they're going to move hardware in all these regions that are seeing a decline, and that will aid them in hitting that 15 million goal, potentially even you know exceeding it. So if I'm Nintendo, I definitely have to consider that play at this point. Well, yeah, um, I mean, I think we've all kind of said you know Black Friday, do a do a bundle or something. You know, you you've sold quite a few copies of Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. I think you could throw that in with a with a standard switch model and uh you know make it 250 or something like that without you know losing too much off your ass with that price point like i, <laughs> I don't know it's very it's very strange that there's never really been 
a price drop for it. And I guess you could say, well, it wasn't needed. And I mean, you wouldn't necessarily be wrong about that. But I do feel like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. It, it just depends. Like, there has to be some sort of reasoning behind it. Because, I mean, they're not complete idiots there. So I think it's just how Nintendo values. It's like how they value their IP so much that they don't want to make games go down from 60. I think it's sort of the same thing. But they always it, do hardware price reductions. Every generation. Sometimes they even come out with revisions that are substantially cheaper to to end the well, life cycle. I mean, what's cycle. the Switch Lite? To end the system's life cycle. Okay, you're right. Yeah, like the the red box Wii. Yeah, the red yeah, box. The top Wii. loader Wii. <laughs> yeah, like the that top thing top and... loader NES, Super Nintendo Mini, N sixty four was cheap to begin with, and then they price dropped it to keep up with competition. Um, those are very fascinating stories to read in these old game pros that I have. Just the the the, the amount of price drops that these systems had was insane. It was like oh, yeah. six months after release. Oh, we're taking a hundred dollars off. It's like, holy <laughs> shit, let's go. Nowadays, it's yeah. like, mm, we'll take a dollar off. <laughs> we'll, we'll save you on some sales tax. I mean, that's the funny thing is that if we look at prior generations, go back probably to, I'd say the Wii. We can look at the Xbox 360, PS3, and the Wii itself. The pricing of these consoles were so different than what you and I were accustomed to. We used to be able to get a PS2 and a GameCube brand new with games for $99. Mm -hmm. We never got a $99 PS3 officially. We never got a $99 PS4 and we never will. There's like, we'll never see a brand new Switch available for $99. Those days are behind us. And it's kind of a shame that we don't get those steep discounts because these companies view it as I'm still selling millions of units at a full price. I can give you a minor discount. We'll still sell hundreds of thousands of units. And to them, that's better than selling. It kind of, it comes down to the math of I can sell a million at full price or I can sell 1.5 million at a 50% reduction. Right. And that's what drives all these decisions now. But given that the LCD model is no longer that main platform that individuals are buying when it comes to switch sales, do the price drop. Do it. You'll still make money. You'll sell units. Yeah, maybe your revenue takes a minor hit. But, I mean, at some point, just do it. Well, that kind of goes into one of the next things would be, you know, when you're at 130 million units sold, you're starting to look at the best-selling system of all time, which, of course, is the PlayStation 2 when it comes to home consoles. Do we see this system eclipsing the PlayStation 2 when it's all said and done. I don't I think there's a I have hope. I think it'd be awesome if it did. But I don't know. That seems pretty untouchable for for a while, but what's at the what's the switch at right now? 130. Oh shit. Well, probably then. Never mind. You think so? You think it's a it's a given such as that? Well, it's like the PS2 is 142, right? Or 148? That's kind of the question. No, I think it, officially, I believe it is 155. Oh. Okay. Though it may actually be closer to 160 because Sony stopped reporting around 155 and they were, they're still at the expectation that they had produced a few million more units. 
Well, so how many years do we think the Switch has left in it? Like, even when the successor comes out, I feel like the Switch is going to be around for another two years. Maybe then they'll give it the price drop. They kind of did that with the 3DS once the Switch came out. But that's what's kind of interesting when you think about it. Because the last two generations have been pretty much, all right, we're done with this. We're moving on to the next thing. You know, when you look at how the Wii ended, it was an abrupt ending. When you look at the Wii U, it was an abrupt ending. Now... One of those systems wasn't successful, but one of those systems was. Now, granted, the tail end of it definitely started to nosedive off of a cliff, but people still had their Wii systems. But when the Wii U came out, it was like, all right, we're done. Moving on. So I think that will play a role in in that sort of thing. Do they want to? And it all kind of depends on what this next system, assuming it's a home system, what this next system is. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, I'm I don't I don't know. I, I don't know. It just under the assumption that it's going to come out next year, which we'll get into in just a little bit. Um I think it, it all it all depends on what this is, because are they gonna wanna manufacture it, it kind of goes back to what we were just talking about. Are they gonna want to manufacture these systems to sell them at a you know reduced price point, or will they just say, Hey, we did a great job with that. We got a ton of sales. Let's put all our focus into the next thing. Are they still going to release, you know, is there going to be cross-generational games? Are Is Nintendo going to focus on the, the Switch as it is? And, you know, it, it, it really it really depends. Because this, this generation for the other platforms was bizarre. It's still bizarre to me that you're seeing... They're still releasing PS4 games and stuff. Right. And, you know, some of those are first-party games. But I don't, I don't know that Nintendo would follow the same route because they never really did. I don't know if they'd necessarily put like, like they they have a brand new game for whatever the Switch Two, and then they'd put that same game on the Switch. But they could do something like what they did with the 3DS, which was where they support supported it. I believe until like twenty late twenty eighteen or something. And so it still had, like, that time to sell, and they were bringing new games, though they were, like, a lot more low effort, like Dylan's Rollin' West and stuff like that. Oh, whoa, whoa. Dylan slander over here. <laughs> I'm not saying it's a bad game. Well, no, because they did... They did um, it's like a bizarre kind of They did Samus, end of life cycle. They did Samus Returns. But you also, yeah, ha- you also have to factor in how long were those games in development before they decided because i mean everyone and their mother wants samus returns on the switch you know because it's a game Mm -hmm. that yeah it was it was very enjoyable on the 3ds but it was also on the 3ds screen and it's like okay why isn't this on there like this this is perfect this is what we want on there but they didn't go that route however as the king of emulation you could play it upscaled and it looks absolutely glorious on the television Nate, what do you think? Do you, do you think this will be a sharp ending to the Switch that would sort of cap as far as we're going to go with this? Or do you think it'll be kind of like we've seen with the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series, which I don't know how much of that was the fall of the pandemic, but even a pandemic aside, it definitely seemed like both of those systems, they weren't ready to blast out of the gate with, with a bunch of titles. Yeah, I mean, right now my gut reaction would be it does not catch the PlayStation 2. I think it comes exceptionally close, 148 to even 151 in terms of lifetime sales. 
And I've been looking at the sales of the Switch compared to the DS, because the DS is the second best-selling platform of all time. And what's curious to me is the Switch never hit the highs that the DS had. In fact, the majority of the DS's life outsells Switch if you compare it year to year. There's only a couple of years that the Switch had topped it. And this will be one of those years because we're right on schedule when the 3DS was introduced and DS sales saw a sharp decline because in year eight, which Nintendo forecast the Nintendo Switch to sell 15 million copies, for comparison, the DS sold 7.6 million in that fiscal year. Now, just for comparison's sake, in year seven, the DS had sold 17 and a half million. So a 10 million unit decrease is quite sharp once the successor was introduced. And as you were mentioning of a sharp just cutoff point, if you're Nintendo, you're producing three Switch models now with the LCD OLED Switch Lite. Now moving into 2024, you're going to begin production of your successor. One of those three will no longer be in production anymore. They're going to cut off one of them, likely the LCD model. So you're going to see a natural decline in their next fiscal forecast, which let's say goes from 15 million down to 10. Now, I believe Nintendo still has what? A remaining 11, 11 and a half million to reach their fiscal forecast for this year, 15 million. So let's say they hit it exactly. We're at just over 140 million, still needing 16 to 18 million more units to catch or surpass the PlayStation 2. They're not going to forecast that high of a number for the next fiscal year. We're likely going to come in closer to 10 million. So that's where I think it's going to come in 150, 151 million. It's just not going to have enough gas to get those final 5 to 10 million units required to pa pass the PlayStation 2. It may pass the DS, or it's going to come within you know a million or two of it. And hey, that's a fantastic achievement in and of, of its own. And no one can take that away from the third best-selling platform of all time. And to the point with software, we're already seeing software isn't selling games in the Western regions. Tears of the Kingdom didn't sell hardware. So even if they continue to support it in 2024, 2025, is, are those games going to be games people are buying a Switch for? And the answer is no. You already own a Switch. The only people still holding out for a Switch at this point are those looking for a price drop. Right. And as we said, those don't come anymore, at least not substantial price drops. So it's going to come close, but I just don't think there's enough gas in the tank for it to reach that finish line. I mean, look at PS4 prices still. Like, they're still super expensive. And it's like, what the hell? Because, you know, for, for whatever reason, these companies... It's definitely been a bit of a shift. And, you know, one thing I think a lot of people forget with the PlayStation 2 was was the price of the PlayStation 3. That son of a bitch was like $600 when it came out. And, like, nobody could really afford it. So they bought PS2s uh -huh. to sort of supplement that until it came down in price. I bought right. my PS3. I think I paid $600 for it because it was the Metal Gear Solid 4 bundle. 
but Best Buy gave me a credit card account because I went in there. I was like, I need a credit card. And they were like, all right, let me search your credit. They're like, oh, we'll give you $2,000. I was like, word? All right, let's go. So that that's how I got my PS3 because I needed it for Metal Gear Solid. But yeah, like when you look at the 3DS, like what'd you have? Like There was some Kirby stuff that came out. after. Like, you got to feel bad for Kirby. He got his chance to shine on the Switch, but like, damn, they always would wheel him out like a corpse. They did it with the Super Nintendo <laughs> when that system was on its last leg. They did it with, they did it with the NES with Kirby's Adventure. The first Kirby game was like rolled out after people were already <laughs> moving to the Super Nintendo. <laughs> but of course we have an elephant in the room. There's been some reports, our first sort of real reports coming out about the aforementioned Switch successor, and then some individuals on this panel, Josie, went on record as to give potential information of stuff that they have heard about the system, such as memory capabilities and screen sizes, so a lot of stuff has happened this week, which... I mean, let's be real. There's also been some bullshit like the Gamescom thing. Sorry, not sorry. Um, but obviously, we're 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 getting <laughs> we're getting into the um, we're getting into the thick of things. And like I tell people in my videos about this, it's only gonna get worse. So just strap in, strap on, or don't watch the video because it, it, it this is not gonna get any better, especially. With these events happening, Nintendo Live, oh, there's going to be something there. Oh, it's going to be something at Gamescom. Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> God damn. Anyways, so we learned that there are some development kits, allegedly. You know, We won't say it's 100% fact, but we've learned that there are some development kits out there. Multiple sources have said that they have heard this from multiple different people. Um, so the development kits are out there, which shouldn't come as a, as a major shock to anyone especially if this is launching in the second quarter of 2024 which quarter meaning what does that mean summer or does that mean the end because that kind of confused me a little bit when i hear quarter i'm thinking there's four quarters um, well Eurogamer had phrased it as late 2024 okay vgc said second quarter second i think they said second half 2024 oh did they i swear somebody said second quarter but you might be right on that Regardless, we're looking at a a second half of a of a 2024 release, which of course plays into things that we have heard. We also heard that we're looking at an LCD screen once again, eight inches, an eight inch LCD screen, which is a upgrade over the 6.2 on the LCD that we currently have and the uh, seven inch on the OLED screen. Josie, is eight inches enough for you? Oh my! Uh, switch wise, yes, very good. Yes, I, what do you think I'm talking? We're talking about this you know, is an Nintendo the way podcast. you said it is insane. I'm sorry. The way you took it is insane. I simply proposed a question about okay. the size. Of I think the I think that ma'am. eight inches would be great because <laughs> see, so I knew it was gonna happen. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I literally knew it. I knew it. The second you asked me this, I was like, "There's this is a trap. If I answer it, if I answer it, it's gonna be a problem. If I if I dance around what I know you're saying, it's a problem. I don't know. Uh, I think the Switch having a bigger screen will be nice. Uh, and you know, one inch doesn't really 
Holy, I can't say that. Never mind. And it doesn't make a huge difference is what you're trying to say in terms yes. of screen size. In terms of screen size. What about the LCD um, thing, though? Does that potentially worry you? I've seen some people wanting to jump off a bridge over that. I'm not, like, super stressed about it because there are really good-looking LCD screens. Obviously, exactly. OLEDs are really nice, but it's not it's not something I'm, like, overly concerned with. I think Nintendo's going to do their best to make it look good and make it work well and not really have issues. I know OLED has a thing with burn-in, too, so... Maybe they're like trying to circumvent that before it happens. I don't really know. But, Nate, yeah, I'm pretty. With it. Well, what do you What do you got to say about the eight incher? Because you're the one who said it. You're the one who <laughs> who threw it out there into existence. I did, and then everyone Nate, had. What do you think that. of eight inches? What the people know? I mean, I'm comfortable with eight inches. I think most people would be. You know, you can't get too big because you got to fit it in your hand. It's right, a, still a portable. You yeah. still have to fit it in your hand. You still, you know, you want to play with it on the go. So if it's too big and it's, you know, obtrusive, that's just going to bring a lot of unwanted attention. When you're playing it on the train, you don't want people to, you know, feel cluttered by this, you know, some behemoth. Yeah, whipping out some behemoth. Is that, is that big <laughs> ten incher on a plane or something like that? Exactly, Jesus exactly. Christ! Eight inches is, you know, it's like, it's like Goldilocks. It's it's the perfect size. Everyone's happy with it. So the LCD screen, does that, are you kind of of the mindset that it, because the thing about LCD screens is everyone, for some reason, assumes that all LCDs are created equal, which is highly untrue. All because Nintendo right. used one LCD screen in their Switch model doesn't mean that they could have, they couldn't have used a better one. They obviously did it because of, of pricing things. I kind of throw it back to um, the Retroid Pocket. There's actually, I'm pr I'm 99% sure it's an LCD screen. I'm pretty sure it's not an IPS screen. Regardless, the Retroid Pocket actually has a patch that you could download that somebody made that makes it mimic an OLED screen. And it's like, wow, this is the exact, it, it's literally, it's not hardware. It's literal software that adjusts things like contrast and um, color vibrance and stuff like that. But it's done so well that it definitely mimics an OLED screen. So I don't think it'll necessarily be like a step back or anything like that. It, it all depends on what screen they use. You know, there's, there's different mm -hmm. levels of that sort of stuff, but how, right. how confident on a scale of one to 10 would you be that this is going to be that screen size? I framed it as it is informed speculation. That is what I'm hearing right now from contacts I don't have enough contacts on it to have 100% confidence, but I do have reasonable confidence it's going to come in at eight inches and be an LCD screen. Now, I mean, these, this is still preliminary information. Could Nintendo make a pivot? You know, that's always that chance. And it's definitely one of those cases where, yes, I want additional sources to come forward with that and say, yep, we've heard eight inches, LCD as well. And I know VGC did come out today in a podcast and say, you know, they doubled down on LCD once again. That seems to be the plan. And an 8-inch LCD isn't some, you know, abnormality for the market. Sony's Q is coming in with an 8-inch LCD screen as well. And I know the Project Q is an abomination in terms of an actual product who wanted a dual sense with a Kindle in the middle. But knowing that another company is out there looking at an 8-inch LCD screen, it means Nintendo 
can come in and get this for a fair price. Nintendo knows if we can come in and get a, you know, a quality, slightly cheaper screen than getting an OLED model at that exact same screen size, that plays in their favor. So right now I have reasonable confidence that yes, we will have an eight inch LCD on a Switch successor. You also made a claim that you've been hearing 512 gigs of onboard memory. Obviously, our Switch systems that we all have now come in at a whopping 64 gigs. Um, is 512 big enough for you, Josie? I think that'd be awesome, honestly, to have that much storage preloaded on it. That'd be fantastic because every time I get a Switch, I got to get a new memory card alongside it. So... I mean, having that amount of storage so that we don't even, I don't know. So it's not quite so much of a problem if you need to download a game that isn't on a cartridge or something like that. And maybe we can deal with a little bit bigger file sizes because of the added storage space. I think that's that's a great thing. That would kind of be one of, that's, that's one of the things I kind of pondered in my video, though. It's like, if they're planning for so much more space, like... That, that almost, like how big are the games? Right, yeah, because I, yeah. I mean, I don't expect Nintendo to make a massive jump. Like, Tears of the Kingdom was their biggest game, and that's, you know, around 16 gigs or so. Like, I don't imagine them all of a sudden, like, here's a 40-gig game. Like, right. So I guess that plays more into third-party stuff, but is that a product of memory prices going down Nate or is that a product of necessity because of potential game sizes on this system from what you've heard so far on that I would speculate that it is a factor of the two games are getting bigger in size as was mentioned and third parties are going to bring you know big games over we can use Call of Duty as an example that game is going to require meaningful size especially if you go digital and the cost of flash memory like this is coming down. And if you're Nintendo, you're looking to save a little money by using an LCD screen. So now if you can come in with, you know, substantial flash memory for digital game purchases, that you could have games now ranging from 50 to 100 gigabytes in size, you want to ensure that the consumer can download games because digital is important to all console manufacturers. So I think it's a factor of both. It's it's a necessity, and it's also a the price is there, and they can make it happen. And of course, the big topic that everyone seems to have a very outspoken opinion about backwards compatibility. We did hear in the VGC report that some developers were hoping for like no backwards compatibility because they want to try to increase profit margins and resell games. What have you heard anything about that? Is it still up for debate? Because I feel like, you know, if you have a development kit out there, you're kind of having to factor stuff like that in, assuming that they're going to use at, at the very least a similar cartridge medium, because those cartridges themselves, like have, have they gone substantially down in price? I don't think so because they charge you $70 for tears of the kingdom because they had to use a bigger cartridge. Like, that, uh -huh. That's where I think things get very, very murky for me, because if we're talking about games that require, you know, 40 gigs or something like that, our company is going to be like, oh, yeah, sure. Well, 64 gig cartridge. Yeah, that's perfect. Well, we'll go right ahead and do that. Like that to me is where things get very, very 
strange to me. Have you heard anything about the physical medium for this system? Assuming that it is, which I think is a safe assumption, at least for now. Have you heard anything about the physical medium as far as being the same or similar? Or where where do you go with that? Because I think that plays a huge role in the backwards compatibility of the system. Maybe even more so than the well, I shouldn't say more so, but almost as much as the system on a chip situation is. Yeah, I mean, it's still going to be game cards or cartridges, however you want to refer to them. In terms of the technology, I, I would I would speculate that there is a reasonable chance that the technology will change to a 3D NAND, which would aid Nintendo in this area where they can make it larger sizes for a slightly cheaper price in comparison to what they're doing now, which is a 2D NAND solution. So if they do change game card technologies, it would introduce new avenues for them to have bigger game card sizes at more reasonable prices that third parties can use because they definitely want to avoid those situations, if at all possible, where let's just use Call of Duty as the example. If you have the war zone, you have the multiplayer, you have the campaign, and given that it was said in court that the Switch version or any Nintendo version will have content parity, meaning it has to match what the other consoles are getting in terms of content. You don't want to release this game on a four gigabyte game card of the current Switch use and then require individuals to then download 86, 90 gigabytes of storage because now what your onboard memory, that flash memory, becomes very important to a publisher. Nintendo launched with 32 gigabytes, eventually went up to 64, but that worked for them. A lot of the games were in small file sizes. We're moving into now a you know, piece of hardware that, depending on its power range, let's just say for the topic, it's PS4 level. How many PS4 games from third-party developers were coming in less than 50 gigabytes? Not a lot. So you definitely want to make, make things a little easier for your publishing partners by finding a new storage solution when it comes to the physical media and the technology is available it's just going to be a question of whether or not nintendo opts to utilize it that i don't have any real insight on at the moment and unfortunately that would also extend to the backwards compatibility topic while i have heard things i'm just not at a point where i can really give any opinion or information on it at the moment josie any thoughts I would love backwards comp compatibility, of course, but I can see the perspective of other developers not wanting that because they'd want to sell more. And like economically, I think it makes sense for the Switch to not be backwards compatible because then they could do things like they did with the Wii U and repackage Smash Ultimate and repackage Mario Kart and just keep selling them into oblivion. But I mean, I would love to have backwards compatibility just so that it pushes Nintendo to not rely so much on those older games and to give us new experiences and to still allow people who maybe missed out on certain games from the Switch to go back and purchase them and still play them on their new system. I think it would be very beneficial for the consumer, but as like an economical practice, which you guys talked about, the new president of Nintendo is a very economical guy. Uh, I could totally see them wanting to not backwards compatible the whole thing. And obviously, like your your Nintendo account 
is fine. Mm-hmm. All your your uh, right, like I would assume that Nintendo subs- Online and stuff transfers yeah. over as well because they've been building that out. But, right. Yeah, it's, the it, Switch's like cartridge medium itself. I I don't know. Like I will note that Andy Robinson of VGC, who had put out the original report that we are discussing, did do a podcast earlier today, and the topic of backwards compatibility did come up with him. And he had noted that he has heard from one of his sources with a dev kit tell him there is no backwards compatibility, while another tells him there is. So there's uncertainty even among those with dev kit access. And whether it's assumption that it doesn't or it's assumption that it does isn't clear. He doesn't know what to make of the situation himself. So... This is definitely going to be one of those situations that we just have to wait and see. And hopefully Nintendo is able to brief their partners and give clarity into how they're approaching backwards compatibility. Hopefully in the near future, we get a little clarity on this topic matter. As is mentioned, we have Gamescom, Tokyo Game Show coming up. So a lot of media will be meeting with developers and publishers. And if they have access to dev kits, information should be reported more widely by outlets. But right now, I don't think there is a clear answer on the topic. And at best, everyone can speculate whether or not there will or will not be. But anyone coming out and saying a definitive, oh, yeah, it's definitely going to have backwards compatibility as an opinion. It's a fine opinion to hold. Backwards compatibility should be a standard across all consoles at this day, especially with the digital era. But it could be it could be a decision that Nintendo objectively makes. We don't know yet. Can I ask? Hmm? Sorry. I was just going to say that if they do do backwards... uh, (laughs) Do do. You're you're on it with the jokes tonight. Um, If they do backwards compatibility, do you think that that's going to translate hardware-wise or maybe just like a digital library of your older Switch games? I mean, that's the interesting thing is that they technically do have that option available to them that maybe they forego physical backwards compatibility and say digital is how it can be achieved. Maybe they do physical and digital. Until we get clarity, it's tough to say what Nintendo is going to do. And I think that's an unfortunate you know, circumstance of the situation is that we go into this with Nintendo always with those questions of, is this basic feature going to yeah. be present in their next piece of hardware. And the fact that it's even up to for debate or that Andy can come out and say he's hearing no from one and yes from another really makes you question things. But ideally, Nintendo does have backwards compatibility support. They had supported it through their handheld line up to now. Hardware, you know, backwards compatibility in terms of home console hardware was a different matter. You had a constant changing of the physical medium you went from cartridges to discs back to cartridges. So you really couldn't create that uniformity in terms of support and compatibility. So right now, right now, like I said in a previous episode, I go in expecting none so that when there is backwards compatibility, I'm pleasantly surprised then to assume there will be and then find out there isn't and be pissed off. Because if the day comes, Nintendo comes out, confirms no backwards compatibility support. I'm going to critique them hard because it's really not something that is acceptable in 2023. All I got to say is, unfortunately, due to this new physical medium, we were unable to have legacy support for our previous system 
Please understand. Please understand. All right, we got any final uh, quips we want to get in before we wrap things up here? Any questions, comments, concerns? All right, way, way to go. Um, <laughs> this is know, act- I was thinking about the PlayStation 2. Okay, go on. The PlayStation 2 sold 55 million copies after the PlayStation 3 was introduced. Jesus Christ. Oh, my and God. That is insane when you look at those type of numbers. And this was largely due to price drops and the introduction of the hardware in the emerging markets, which now get hardware at the same time that we do in the majority of cases. So I'm talking, you know, it was like, it was like Middle East, certain Latin American countries and South American countries were getting the PlayStation 2 five, six, seven years after it had launched in other areas. But to sell 50 plus million copies after the introduction of its successor is wow we'll that, never see a repeat of that yeah that's that's insane that's 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 literally insane wow most people bought that system because it was a disc like it was a dvd player as well right that was like a big driving force of it yes and no i'm not sure how how much of that because i how mean accurate it is i mean i i think it, it for some people that was a thing but the, the hype surrounding the PlayStation 2 w- was crazy. And the fact that it had a DVD player definitely helped it initially. But I don't know how long that actually lasted. Because, you know, shortly thereafter, you had all these companies making DVD, like Pile and yeah. stuff like that. And, you know, you had your $50, $100 DVD player. So it was like... And the Xbox. <laughs> the Xbox was a DVD player. Yeah, and I mean, that didn't... You had, to buy, you had to buy, you know, an accessory to use it, but... Right. So I'm not quite sure long-term how much that, that played a role. In, in, the, in the initial period, sure, I'll, I'll give you that. But as far as, like, you know, two, three years into the system's life, like, uh, I think it was it was those games, like... You had to have Grand Theft Auto 3. You had to have Metal oh. Gear Solid 2. Like, yeah, Silent Hill 2. You had to have Second. Devil May Cry. When you look at the 2001 lineup of the PlayStation 2 Holiday, it's one of the greatest lineups of games you'll ever see. Yeah, it, it's it's insane. It's insane. And people are like, that's why I'm not trying to discredit anyone. That's why whenever I see people talking about, it's the best year in gaming ever. It's like, was it <laughs> like I don't know, man? When you have like right. all these different manufacturers, all these different consoles I out mean, there, all these companies releasing, like thumbing right. through an issue of GamePro from like '96 is just—it's absolutely mind blowing. How many different platforms there are, and how many killer games are coming out monthly, monthly? Like fucking a. But I don't know. I guess yeah. you know bigger budgets and longer time development and stuff like that you know it makes for a more attractive style of game but i don't know that that was okay craziness this was the playstation 2's fall and holiday 20 2001 exclusive lineup devil may cry final fantasy 10 gran turismo 3 grand theft auto 3 ico jack and daxter metal gear solid 2 silent hill 2 jesus christ Think of that lineup right there. Yeah, they kind of touch base on every type of gamer. It's crazy. Was that was a hell of a time to be alive? Unfortunately, Josie was not. Were you alive in 2001? 
Uh, no. Uh, I say you weren't even Two alive. years later. It's Jesus Christ. Oh All right. God, Silent Hill 2 is older than her. Metal Gear Solid 2 is older than her. That's disgusting. Most games are older than I am. That's I disgusting. remember when it launched. <laughs> I do too. I, I, rem- I remember that that was well. I was smoking I cigarettes. What a beast. <laughs> right. All right, so we'll go ahead and wrap things up here. It's actually our longest episode ever, coming in at over 56 minutes. Uh, Size Queen Josie, uh, where can everyone find you? Josie Woe, of course, right? Yep, you can find me at Josie Woe on YouTube. Uh, I got some Switch videos coming up and a PS5 video, actually. It's in the works. And she did a a spoiler cast with someone else already cheating on the Spawn cast. Way to go. I didn't know if you guys... I was nervous to ask. I'm going to be completely honest. I was like, who am I going to ask? Yeah, no. I mean, really, Click would have been the only person to ask, and she hates the fucking story, so it probably wouldn't have been a good time. And... Nate, of course, you can find him at Direct Feed Games or the Nate the Hate podcast. John, put the link to the podcast that we are referencing in the description box down below. I will remind you to do such as well when I send this file over to you. Thank you guys for hanging out with us on the Game and Talk podcast. We will see you guys very soon. And thank you for supporting the Patreon because, God forbid, John actually promotes the damn thing. All right, we'll catch you guys later.